Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher, our post-Super Bowl edition episode. And Matthew, I want to start with you because you were actually at the game. Yep. What was it like, obviously, inside the stadium for a, a thrilling finish as the Chiefs somehow take care of business again against the 49ers? You know, it was great. I will say this. I thought the 49ers traveled well. Um, it wasn't like as crazy an eruption as you might think. It was definitely like, you know, I, I felt like the 49er fans were louder, generally speaking, than the Chiefs fans. And it's also a fairly corporate environment. So, like, there was obviously cheering, but it wasn't like, like I've been in a playoff game at Arrowhead. And it's like deafening, you know, and this was not that. Um, the other thing is where my particular seats were. I was on the corner of the end zone and it was the corner of the end zone where they didn't score the winning touchdown. So it was like way in the yeah. distance. And you're like, wait, I think, oh, shit. I, I think they just, you know, uh, won the Super Bowl, honey. I think, you know, like, uh, so uh, I will say that, like, I'll just say this in general and all seriousness, like, um, uh, it is very cool to be at the Super Bowl. This is actually, uh, I, I did, I counted this up. This was my 15th Super Bowl that I've seen. It's always very cool. It's something that my wife and I do every single year, you know, kind of as a celebration at the end of a long football season. You know, she gets to come out. We leave the kids at home. We go to a few parties and we go to the game. And so it's very cool. It's a fun experience. It's really exciting. It's, it's neat to be able to say, like, I was at the game. I will tell you, though, literally on the flight back, I watched the full game again on NFL Network. They replay it the next day. And so I watched it on NFL Network. It's a better experience if you just want to watch the game game. It's literally a better experience on television. It is. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think as well, to your point, Matthew, about like not knowing really what happened, it, it is, it's weird, but being in the stadium for the Super Bowl kind of takes some of the drama out of it because I think when you're watching on TV and you're getting the experience of the halftime ads and all of the ads and then the halftime show and all that and just the way that everything weaves together, it feels more like an event. Whereas when you're there, I remember being at the Rams Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, and when uh, Aaron Donald gets Joe Burrow in the last play, it's like, I don't even really know what's happening. Like, I, can't really tell. I guess the, the season's over and the Rams just won the Super Bowl. But 
how was the tension in the stadium when uh, at the end, when particularly at the end of regulation, where it looked like the Chiefs were going to win it when they had 10 seconds left and then into overtime? Was it uh, all clenched up? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But that that's the other thing, just talking about in-home experience versus at the stadium. At the stadium, there's just, there's so much more going on and that's both good and bad. Like you're like, you're at the stadium and then there's somebody like, oh, excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom or like, you know, here's a beer vendor. And then like, you know, it's a, it's a football game. So I tend to get recognized a decent amount because they're all football fans. Right. And they've all watched Sunday night football, or whatever. So I get stopped a decent amount or like people come up to me, like, can I have a picture? And like, like the guy in front of me was like, I love your love hates and want to talk to me. He was a very sweet guy, but like, you know, like, has read my comp for like 15 years and like the guy behind me said like, so it's just like, there's all this external noise, if you will. Whereas at home, you're just, you're focused on the game and you're hearing the announcers it's second and 12 there's 10 seconds left. Like, you know, like you don't have any, you have to sort of do that yourself. If that makes any sense where you're just like, okay, you know, down, did he get a first down? Like, you know, especially if it's on the far, like, you know, Looks like you got a first down. No, okay, it's second and one. And let, let me look at the clock. And you're sort of doing all the tension yourself, if that makes any sense, as yep. opposed to having the announcers and seeing all the graphics all right there in the same uh, visual. So um, to your point about uh, it definitely was tense, but I guess for me, and I, I don't know, maybe this is, you know, I, I just, I was there with my wife. And for me, it all just sort of felt inevitable. Like, that's my biggest thing is, is like, I never, we, we made a whole big deal about this a, along the week, but, you know, Connor and I uh, bet the Chiefs. We both, we both predicted the Chiefs would win. We had the bet, we, we like the Chiefs plus two. We like the Chiefs money line. We were consistent throughout the week, Jay. So mm. I can't speak for Connor, um, but I know you who had already previously lost a tremendous amount of money on uh, comeback player of the year, had the rest of your kids' college fund on the Niners minus two. And so um, I don't know how you felt, but for me, because I just knew they were going to win, it was inevitable. Uh, it just, there wasn't that crazy tension for me. Well, I will say, I just want to firstly thank Joe Flacco because I actually lost all of my money on Joe Flacco. So there was no money left to lose for the Super Bowl. So it was quite a pleasant, just kind of sit back uh, viewing experience. I do think the inevitability of Mahomes, um, Connor, on that last drive, particularly in the one at the end of regulation, it felt like, all right, this is minus 600 to go to overtime. Like, this, this, there is no way that he's not kicking your field goal, at least here, to force OT. And then when he was driving at the end, once they got the fourth and one uh, on the, the naked sort of scramble, uh, then it really felt like it was all over. But when the Niners had second and four at the KC9 in overtime, at that point, Connor, I did think that the Niners were going to score and Mahomes would have to score a touchdown. I thought the same thing, and that's why it was so interesting to hear them after the game, which it's easy to say after the game, but that they would go for two in that situation if it came down to that situation uh, where the Niners wouldn't have gotten that third possession. We'll never know. But ultimately, for me, guys, it felt like, especially from the fourth quarter on, there was no button Steve Wilkes, the 49ers defensive coordinator, could press that would work. And, Jay, I think of that conversion you just brought up where I thought the broadcast made a good point. You know there's no way they're putting the game on the line by just handing the ball to the running back. But defensively, you still have to respect the threat of the running back getting the ball. You have to respect the threat of Mahomes running, which, and you have to respect the threat of the pass. And there's only so many different areas – you can cover and dedicate help to. And that's why it was a perfect call. Mahomes obviously picks it up himself. 
And it felt like the last couple drives of the game, it didn't matter what they did, where you look on the other side of it, specifically that, that blitz from Spags. I think it was McDuffie that got home on a delayed blitz, and Purdy just had to throw it instantly for an incompletion. That's kind of the difference of a guy that, since he won a Super Bowl with the Giants, he's won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs as the defensive coordinator, knows what button to press. And it's a little easier when you're doing it against Brock Purdy, nothing against Brock Purdy. But guys, there was just no answer in crunch time for Mahomes. No, there, there, there certainly wasn't. Uh, let's stay on the 49ers for a second before we get to the the brilliance of the Chiefs and Mahomes. But I, like, I think there's a bunch of different things you can point to as to why the 49ers lost this game. But yeah, I mean, I think lack of red zone efficiency. They were inside, right? I mean, to your point, like they had first and ten at the first and goal at the six, and couldn't get it in there. And I mean, Patrick Mahomes won MVP, and I, you sort of get that, but. I think you could have made a very strong argument that Chris Jones should have won the MVP. He was unbelievable. Like, and there was a, in that same sequence there that towards, towards the end there, like, like Chris Jones goes unblocked. Like there's like, there's like five or six plays that I think like the 49ers as they go back and they sort of look like, here's where we lost the game. And there were five or six plays. And that was one of them where they just somehow 74 just um, on the Niners chose the wrong guy and Chris Jones comes in unblocked. And if you watch the replay, Ayuk is, is heading towards the middle. He is wide open. He has beaten his man. And if Brock Purdy has two, two and a half seconds to throw, as opposed to like one, that's a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, just, but you know, Chris Jones has completely disrupted everything. The fact that they couldn't get home, you know, and then you think about that first drive in the first quarter um, where, McCaffrey fumbles in the red zone as well. Like they had this great opening drive and you're like, Oh, where's Spags' defense. Like the Niners were doing yeah. whatever they want. And then McCaffrey fumbles. Like to me, I think the McCaffrey fumble, the lack of the block on Chris Jones at the end, that would have, that should have been a touchdown to Ayuk. Obviously the punt return fumble, you know, just off, off the back of your leg. That's a huge mistake. The Jake Moody missed extra point. Ultimately was, was a big one. I think all of those were just, you know, massive, you know, massive mistakes in a game where you you couldn't have them uh, as well. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, those those like to me, those four plays were sort of like that was what did it. Yeah, I think there'll be some some revisionist history, and and some of it is fair. The idea that well, Mahomes is too good, and Mahomes is always going to win. Like the Niners played well enough to win the game, and the Niners yes. should have been up by a lot more at halftime. That's when they were dominating, and as brilliant as Mahomes was. In regulation, in 60 minutes of football, the Chiefs scored one touchdown and it was off a punt return fumble that they got back at the San Francisco 16. It's not like they were rolling the whole game. They got four of their own fumbles back. The Niners fumbled twice, both in brutal positions because McCaffrey's fumble, they were going to score on that drive. And then Ray Ray McLeod, no, it wasn't necessarily his fault, but that fumble led to seven uh, Kansas City points and their only touchdown. So the Niners go 0 for 2 on fumbles, the Chiefs go 4 or 5 and I mean, really, that's your game. And when you're going up against Mahomes, that you just can't, it's just the Niners almost overcame it, but it's just giving yourself too little margin for error. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that a lot of people want to point the finger at Steve Wilkes and everything like that. But like, honestly, like coming into the game, one of the biggest things that was a concern was the running game. Like, can they stop the run, right? Montgomery and Gibbs had run all over them the week before that. Aaron Jones had run all over them. They, it's, a, it's an area where they struggled. And so Isaiah Pacheco, we all like, I liked, I liked the over 16 and a half rushing attempts that did come home, but we also liked the over 67 and a half rushing yards and that didn't. 
Isaiah Pacheco had, I think, his worst game as a pro. Like, and it's being sort of overshadowed by the fact that they won. But, you know, a bad fumble. There were a number of, like, short yardage situations that they didn't convert, third and ones, you know, and everything like that. Pacheco was bad, Connor. He was. He absolutely was. And going back to the point about the fumbles overall, I mean, it's just amazing. The Chiefs recovered, what, six of the seven fumbles in this game. And and that ends up being the – I think it's very cliche to say, but – you can only make so many mistakes against the Chiefs. You have to keep your foot on the gas. You need to play with a significant lead. And you're right, Matthew. There was even leaks in the ship on this one. Bad Pacheco game. It felt like the Chiefs, they got nothing from Kelsey in the first half. He had a huge Correct. second half, but he was completely eliminated in the first half, as much of the offense was. There was obviously some special teams mistakes as well. So, it, And this was the story of the Chiefs this year, which I think makes it so much more frustrating to everyone that roots for a team that is not the Kansas City Chiefs is that they didn't have a typical regular season held to their standards. When you look at how vulnerable it felt like they were going into the playoffs, they kept finding a way to win. And then you look at the first half of the Super Bowl where Shanahan blows what now his third 10-point lead in a Super Bowl, counting his days as a coordinator with the Falcons. You just have to wonder, what is it going to take for a team you know, to obviously be able to, to beat them uh, even when they do look this vulnerable, because now they're only going to be able to reload and get more chemistry with the weapons, which was such a problem this year. Yeah, I think that, you know, as much as uh, like Mahomes clearly outplayed Purdy, and Mahomes was the better quarterback, but I mean, Purdy didn't make mistakes. Like that was the Correct. concern is that he was going to have his kind of Purdy moments of chaos. He didn't throw any picks. He didn't really throw any ball that should have been picked, unless you want to count the second play of overtime where it kind of came off Debo and Nick Bolton narrowly uh, missed it. And let me tell you, if Nick Bolton had caught that, we would have right. never heard the end of it about Brock Purdy. So I'm glad that he didn't catch that ball because otherwise it would have but been that, off. But you know what? Even that ball, that ball hit Debo Samuel in the know, hands. It was, you know, it, was a, right. it was a low percentage right. throw, but it's like, yeah. you know, like you expect Debo Samuel to come down with that ball. Yeah, no, you do. And it was Mahomes who made the terrible mistake, the pick to, uh, to start the second half uh, where he overthrows Kelsey straight to Brown. And at that point, so the Niners are up 10-3. They've just caught that Mahomes pick in excellent field position. The Niners are minus 650 to win the Super Bowl at that time. And then they go down from there. And and Kyle Shanahan is no stranger to being minus 650 in Super Bowls and then going down from that point. But, I mean, for all the criticism of Shanahan, and I mean, we can talk about some of the moments, but... I don't think this is really on him. I think this was just a coin flip game and the coin landed Chiefs. But if I was Shanahan, the only thing that I thought was just objectively horrible was not calling timeout at the end of the first half because he chose to get the ball back with 20 seconds instead of 60 seconds when you're in a dome. And your offense at that point is looking pretty good. Yeah. So that was just like that. That's indefensible and, in terms and, of. And by the way, and, and and Moody is already at that point, Moody's already hit a 50 yarder, yep. you know, yep. and so. I think that I agree with you. That is bad. But generally speaking, like I, I'm with you. Like, again, this is sort of it goes back to the conversation we had around Dan Campbell after the uh after the Lions loss as well. Is it's like as a head coach, you have to coach with the understanding that your players are gonna make plays. You have to trust that your players are gonna make plays. You don't expect your special teams guy to fumble a punt. You don't expect Jake Moody to miss a f- extra point. Like, you know what I mean? Like you you expect. You expect your offensive line to pick up Chris Jones coming in like a barrel of heat. Like, you know, like you don't expect Chris McCaffrey to fumble on the nine yard line. Like, so I just, I I, I get it, but I don't have an issue with any of his decisions. I don't even have an issue with, I get it. And I think if I was a head coach, 
I would want, given the new overtime rules, I personally, overtime rules, I personally would want the ball second, knowing what I have to get. But I don't have a huge issue with Shanahan taking the ball first in overtime. Um, uh, Bill Barnwell wrote a whole article about this. I think Barnwell's terrific. And, you know, just whatever. And the analytics or something like it's like 50.8%. You know, they run a bunch of sims and everything like that in terms of whether you take it first or second. Shanahan's argument that, hey, we wanted the third possession. Assuming we score, we know they're getting a, another possession. And, you know, at that point, you have to trust your defense, that your defense is going to hold them to whatever they get, right? And, I mean, yeah, ultimately they converted a fourth down. But I guess I don't have a huge problem with it. Yes, maybe the Chiefs go for two, but you can't trust that they will. Um, you know, and by the way, even if they go for two, then it's a 50-50 chance that you stop them and you win the Super Bowl, assuming you go down and you score a touchdown. So I get it, but I don't feel like that's a huge, huge knock on Shanahan. Yeah, and I think as Taking well, like everyone first. is everyone's taking shots at Shanahan with the idea that, well, there definitely would have been no third possession because the Chiefs said they would have gone for two. It's like if the Chiefs were facing fourth and 10 on the San Francisco 34, you're telling me Andy Reid's not kicking a field goal there and there is a third possession? Like when you go into that, the Niners were clear favorites to win when the Chiefs got the ball back in overtime. You score a field goal in that position, you are in a good spot. It's just that Mahomes is too good. But Kansas City scoring a touchdown there, at least by the odds, and you can say maybe Mahomes just breaks everything. But in terms of the odds, it was more likely that the Chiefs were going to score three or zero on that possession than score a touchdown. I think that's what Shanahan was was uh, banking on. And look, Mahomes makes the play on fourth and one, and uh, and he was ultimately just too good. And I do think there is an element of, you know, we can say that, you know, this is a coin flip game. But with Mahomes, Mahomes is just the type of player that he is. On these high leverage third and fours, which he converted and Purdy didn't, Mahomes is just better in those spots than anyone else in football, just about. It's him and Josh Allen, really, because of what they bring with their legs as well as their passing. And Purdy, I thought Purdy was great, honestly, in Super Bowl. I thought that the moment wasn't too big for him. He played well enough to win, but he's just not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and I think that was really the difference on the Niners not converting third and four and third and fives, which was so key at the end of regulation uh, and in overtime. But uh, would you have gone for it on fourth down, Connor, on either of those two bids for San Francisco? Yeah, I think so. I think you just have to play differently. That's the story yeah. to me of this one. And I think a lot of teams going forward are going to treat Mahomes essentially how almost you would treat Brady for so long, where you're going to have to do, and even Peyton Manning for a while. Remember when the Saints in that Super Bowl did a lot of unconventional things? I think that's the treatment you're going to see for Mahomes uh, going forward in big games is that you're going to have to play out of your typical script no matter who else you'd be playing. I mean, and also going back to the Purdy-Mahomes conversation, Jay, I mean, in six seasons as a starter, Mahomes has 18 playoff starts now, yeah. right? So it's just so – and, like, I agree with you. I think Purdy did a lot of great things in this game. Nobody's even talking about Brock Purdy in this game. The only conversation I've seen is does San Francisco have to go get a guy on the upper echelon like Mahomes? That's not a reality for 99% no. of NFL teams. You know, maybe one or two teams can do that this year and the chances are still very low. The top two teams picking in the draft. And that's because it's a great quarterback class. That reality doesn't exist. The Niners built a great team. Honestly, they played a really, really good game. And somehow they still came up short to a guy that's now 15 and three in the postseason. 15 and three in the postseason, 4-0 in his career against San Francisco, 10 and three straight up and 11 and one 
with a tie against the spread when he's an underdog, and that includes the playoffs as well. Uh, I mean, like, that's the thing, Connor, is, is that, like, there's there's talent, right? Coming out of college, people are like, and you can speak to this better than anyone, Connor. Coming out of talent, so it's like, okay, Mahomes has a big arm. We yeah. know he's mobile. We know there's something. But, like, I, I've said this all along. Patrick Mahomes on any other team without Andy Reid as his coach isn't Patrick Mahomes That's in correct. capital letters, right? I mean, like, the fact that he got to sit for a year under Alex Smith. People forget the Chiefs made the playoffs under Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes' rookie year. So, unlike a lot of quarterbacks, unlike, like, Joe Burrow, who goes to a, you know, a team that's won one game the year before, right? Most franchise quarterbacks go to crappy NFL teams. Mahomes got drafted by a playoff team and a coach in Andy Reid that had already been to a Super Bowl with uh, Philadelphia that was winning in Kansas City. You know, and then you've got Kelsey. You've got this strong organization around you. And so the fact that he was able to sit for a year and then come become a starting quarterback of an already playoff caliber team goes a long way. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from the magic of Mahomes because he is truly brilliant, and the Brady comparisons are absolutely fair. Um, but I'm just saying it's not it's not apples to apples. And your point about, hey, we just got to go get a guy like that, like that just doesn't exist. That's not a reality. I agree with you. Brock Purdy, 23 of 38, 255 yards. He scores, a he throws for the touchdown, right? Three rushes for 12 yards. Don't get me started on that, right? Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. A bad but, spot. Uh, it's a, uh, just brutal. But, you know, like, listen, he took what the defense gave him. His offensive line got dominated. Like, you know, let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. the, the Chiefs defensive yeah. line just completely dominated the offensive line. Whether it was blitzing. They were able to get home with just rushing four as well. So he took what the defense gave him. He, he um, you know, he dumped it off to McCaffrey. He made, a, he made like, an off-schedule throw to uh, use check which was brilliant, I thought. Like, he had nice moments. Brock Purdy played well enough to win. This loss is entirely on two fumbles. You know what I mean? Like, just two fumbles, a missed extra point, and, you know, just a bad read on an offensive line block. Again, like, that's a touchdown to Ayuk if Chris Jones gets blocked. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, Afoxiloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, going back to the point about pressure, Matthew, you know, 41 dropbacks for Purdy in this game. He was pressured on 20 of them. So it's half the time. He had no time. He had no time. You brought up Chris Jones dominating this game. Two quarterback hits, four more pressures. Jones had six pressures on the quarterback, and I think just 35 pass rush snaps. So he's getting home one out of every five times. Yeah, and, and that was quite a weird storyline that I, I'm sure Niners fans are aware of, but not the general fan of the NFL. This, Besides Trent Williams, and we saw what it was like without him, this Niners offensive line needs retooling as well. I think it's credit to Kyle Shanahan that they were as good as they were with the players they were starting on it. But the conversation around Purdy being, you know, being this Kyle Shanahan robot that is in this amazing offensive situation. Yes, Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey are great. The Ferraris around them, him in that offense are amazing. But this offensive line is not the top five, top 10 unit that it's been billed as. No. 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 And by the way, go ahead, Jay. As you say, that's exactly right, Connor. That was the most frustrating thing about the Purdy discourse when everyone's trying to pick him apart for MVP is the idea that, you know, he just rolls into the clear best situation in the NFL. And maybe it is, but people need to realize, like, he had a bad offensive line this year overall in terms of the pass blocking win rate and PFF grade and all that type of stuff. Like, it is, it's Trent Williams, and then it's not much else. Uh, and, you know, uh, Feliciano gets hurt in the Super Bowl. That hurt them. And... I think as well with Purdy is that like he's 6'1". When there is a ton of pressure and when it's coming up the middle from Chris Jones, it's not really a place you can live. And I think that really derailed them in the third quarter where if I'm Kyle Shanahan, what I feel most sick about is that it's that third quarter where they were in control of the game. They were minus 650 to win after the Mahomes pick. And then they call six pass plays in a row and they don't get a first down uh, and they don't score in the third quarter. And then when the punt return fumble happens, then all of a sudden they're playing off their back foot. But I thought, I I can't remember who tweeted this, but Brock Purdy, every time he came off the field in the Super Bowl, he had a lead. Uh, He did everything that he could do. It's just that Mahomes scored last. Yeah, you know what? And by the way, to that point, also, you know, again, uh, so much of the discourse is around Purdy, of course. But, like, think about this. And I haven't gone and I haven't watched the all 22 of this. I just, I watched the broadcast, right? I watched it live and then I watched the, I I rewatched the replay on TV. But the fact of the matter is, is this is a team that's got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk in its passing attack. And I'm a big believer in targets are earned, right? And the fact of the matter is the guy that had the best game was Jawan Jennings. Like, you know what I mean? And I think partially that's because they did such a good job of taking care of the superstars of the Niners so it was dump offs to McCaffrey's and then trying to figure out ways to get the ball to Jawan Jennings. And Jawan Jennings is a nice player and he had a great day at the office. Give him a lot of credit. He had an awesome game in the Super Bowl. But like, you're the 49ers. Your offense can't be Jawan freaking Jennings. But like, I feel like that's like, you know, like at some point they had to have a solution to get, you know, Ayuk, they each had a couple of nice moments. But like, you're Brandon Ayuk, you're Debo Samuel, you're George Kittle. Step up in a big way. And I don't think any of them did. You know what I mean? Like the, the guy that stepped up the most in the passing attack, not counting McCaffrey, was Jawan Jennings. And that's that can't happen in a Super Bowl, Jay Croucher. No, it can't, Matthew. And uh it would have been interesting. Say Mahomes gets stopped on fourth and one in overtime. Like who who wins MVP for the Niners? Because I feel like it would have been, I mean, look, I, I would have voted Purdy because I think that he played he played the best. And also McCaffrey Bosa had, had a great game. Fumble. 
Yep. Yeah. Most McCaffrey had the sure. fumble. So I would have voted Purdy, but I think McCaffrey probably would have won just because he had 160 yards and a touchdown and had that awesome um, the screen pass play around the left yep. sideline in overtime, which Purdy did a great job getting that ball to him. But for a time, like uh, there was a time in real life in the Super Bowl where Jawan Jennings was minus 105 to win Super Bowl MVP live. <laughs> Uh, that, he was 350 to one before the game. Uh, and he was minus 105 when it looked like the Niners were first down away from ending it in regulation. Um, so yeah, he comes out of the game looking great. I think, yeah, Kittle and Debo, who and they were both banged up, they both came out of the game at different points, but disappointing from them. Uh, I will say though that I am. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan cares that I'm proud of him, but I am proud of Kyle Shanahan for going for it on fourth and three in the fourth quarter where they dial up that play to George Kittle. He gets out of bounds. Uh, I was surprised. I thought Kyle was definitely going to kick in that spot, but he rose to the occasion there and so did Kittle. It's just a shame for them that Debo and Kittle couldn't get, they couldn't combine for more than 37 yards in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, right. Debo three for 33 under his receptions and receiving prop. Like he was, the line was four and a half and 58 yards. And 92% of the handle on DraftKings was on the over, by the way. So Debo goes just three for 33. Ayuk, three for 49, also under his receptions and receiving yards prop. It was set at four and a half and 62 and a half. George Kittle, two receptions for four yards. You know, like his line was 50 and a half. 96% of the handle on DraftKings was on the over as well. And so, yeah, I mean, Juwan Jennings, who had a 14 and a half, you know, receiving yards prop, goes four for 42, gets catch the touchdown, also throws one as well. And so him and Nick Foles, the last, uh, the only two players in Super Bowl history to catch a touchdown and throw a touchdown. Um in the Super Bowl, I just, you know, and and you can I you can give some credit to the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, defense, but like you know, those guys have to, those guys have to get open. Again, targets are earned, Connor. It's going to be a fascinating offseason because you have, you know, the questions around Iuk's long-term status with the contract. Obviously, you have a lot of guys there that are already paid that aren't going anywhere, remaking the offensive line. Juwan Jennings, guys, good time to be a free agent when that's the lasting memory. Juwan Jennings really almost had the Malcolm Smith-esque Super Bowl MVP where you're like, what? <laughs> but right. uh, it would have been amazing if he if he was able to close it out. The, but go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing when you just talk about the 49ers – I believe I believe the 49ers have the third oldest roster in the NFL at the moment. You know, and they, uh, you know, they for the most part they stayed relatively healthy this year. Yeah. Um and so you'd have to wonder like I feel a lot better about the Chiefs chances of getting back there than I do about the Niners chances. This sort of felt like this was this was their chance, right? You know, I mean I, I feel like I guess there's teams in the AFC too, but I mean I just feel like Detroit is ascending. Green Bay is ascending. Obviously, Philadelphia and Dallas are both loaded. Like the NFC is suddenly, you know, the the, the Rams were, you know, a breath away, right? Um, uh, Tampa Bay seems to be sort of coming along, coming along. You know, it's I don't know. It's just, um, you know, assuming a healthy Kirk Cousins, and if he goes back to Minnesota, like Minnesota showed improvements on defense this year. And we know we they can move the ball. Like the NFC is, I think, more competitive than. We might think initially. I feel better about the NFC after this postseason than I did probably before in terms of a competitive balance. So, you know, this was a this one's a tough one for uh, for Forty Nine er fans, Jay. I think the difficult thing though with the AFC is I think that 
I think you can make the case that the six best quarterbacks in football are all in the AFC between Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar. I think that's kind of your undisputed top four. And then personally, I would have Stroud and Herbert probably five and right. six. And so they're all in the AFC, which makes it difficult. The Niners, they still enter next season as Super Bowl favorites. But I mean, they're, you know, they're plus 550 to win the Super Bowl next year, which is, you know, less than a 15% chance. And they were minus 650 to win the Super Bowl this one in the third quarter. But my uh, last question to you guys on the game, and I'm not saying this to, to justify my own losing position, but if they played this game again on Sunday, would you take Niners minus two or Chiefs plus two, having seen how it played out this last Sunday? Still Chiefs plus two, honestly. Because okay. I, I, I'll tell you why. I, I mean, again, it's, it's sort of Mahomes. It's um, uh, it's Mahomes and it's Andy Reid. Like, I, like, again, I don't have any issues with what Kyle Shanahan did. Maybe he should have been aggre more aggressive at the end of the first half. Okay, fair enough. But honestly, like, again, you expect players to make plays, and if the players make plays. But I thought Andy Reid, called a brilliant game. And, you know, we talk about that fourth and one as an offense. This is not an offense that uses designed runs from a homes. They haven't done that in a while. Like there's always some scramble plays, but they just, that's not a part of their offense is designed runs from a homes. And yet in the Super Bowl, they pulled that out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and they had that, the, the game to win the, um, the play to win the, the Super Bowl corn dog hybrid, you know, play that they used, against Philadelphia last year as well. Like, I mean, just like Andy Reid, I thought, just called a brilliant game uh, in a way that just, you know, Shanahan didn't. They were prepared. And I also think Spagnola, I think Spags called an unbelievable great game. Yeah. Right? And, I, I like, again, I have no issue with the Wilkes. I have no issue with Shanahan, the game they called. But I just, I think those guys are better. And I just think, I think Pacheco doesn't have a bad day at the office. It would be close. The line would be two again. But, like, I'm just... I'm not betting against Mahomes. Like, I just don't know how you do that. Like, the thing I said all, you know, as I was going through parties uh, at the Super Bowl and I would meet people and fans would come up or whatever, who you got, who you got? And I just said, I, you know, I just, I don't understand how Mahomes and the Chiefs went on the road to Buffalo and beat Josh Allen. Then went, then they went on the road to Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson, but they can't beat Brock Purdy on a uh, neutral field. I just, I just don't see how that happens. You know what I mean? And, uh, Ultimately, you know, again, the defense and I talk about, you know, Andy Reid six and one off of a bye in Mahomes, with the Mahomes era in the playoffs. I just, I understand the question, Jay, and it's fair. And I think a lot of people would still think the Niners are favored or it's a pick them. Honestly, I probably should be just a pick them on a neutral field, but it's hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid until proven otherwise, Connor. All right, guys, any closing thoughts before we sign off here, before we take a little hiatus, but we will be back because all three of us will be at the NFL Combine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to I want to ask Jay this question. I want to I have a question for Jay. Going out sure. on a high note, Jay. I'm no, I'm dead I'm serious. One. I'm dead serious. So I had my last same game parlay of the year for mm. DraftKings. And this is what I chose. I chose an all I chose the uh, Chiefs plus two. I chose the uh, an alt line of Pacheco over on the rushing yards at 50. Mm, that hit. And then I chose Brock Purdy over 12 and a half rushing yards. That's what I posted on Saturday. <laughs> so, but what ended up happening is, is that, you know, the line moved between 12 and a half and 11 and a half. And when it closed and they update, you know, I have a graphic on the DraftKings mm. app and they, and they, um, they updated in real time because obviously odds change everything like that. And so when it closed, 
the line had actually moved down to 11 and a half, Purdy over 11, mm. 11 and a half. Mm. And so I just want to know, do I get to count that as a win? Because ultimately, had you bet my same game probably, I mean, you know, there's my dumbass picture there. And it's like, you know, Matthew Barry, the Sunday night football analyst, here's his same game parlay. If you'd bet it like, you know, 30 minutes before kickoff, you won. But what I did tweet out was 12 and a half. <laughs> so I'm just curious. Does, do I get to count? So some people got it. The people that took it when I initially tweeted it out, they lost. Right. But if you looked at, if you went on the app on Sunday on game day and took my parlay, you won. So okay. my parlay did hit, but I, do I get to count that as a win, Jay? You tell okay. me. Well, two things. Firstly, when Connor set you up for that, I thought you were going to talk about how awesome it was to interview Puka Nakua or something and not complain about your own suspect same game parlay. Second, it absolutely counts as a loss. Wait, tell, you, tell me for one second. Hang on for a second. I'm sorry. You and I have worked together every single day for two straight years, and you thought, you, a betting man, a sharp man, a man who studies trends, you literally thought that I was going to talk about something that wasn't myself. <laughs> That's true. No, no, I should never, I should never back the 10 to one, uh, Matthew, uh, altruism on the podcast. Um, no, it's absolutely a loss. You chose 12 and a half as the rushing line. Now, to be fair, I think your better argument is I'm pretty sure Brock Purdy got the 13th yard. It was just right. a bad spot. So that would be the thing in you know, contact NFL stats and info, but you tweeted out 12 and a half. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a loss, but, uh, I watched that in real time because he got, he, I think he got nine on the first carry and then yep. he got three on the second carry, but I swear to God, he got four yards on that carry uh, and I had over 12 and a half as well. So uh, yeah, we all, uh, we all got screwed there one last time on Brock Purdy. And then the kneel for the loss. Truly wonderful for all of us backing Purdy 12 and a half. All right, guys. Thank you to everyone. Matthew, say, go quick, ahead. Before we leave, hang on, hang on one second. I'm just curious, just Super Bowl week, uh, just, Oh, I'm just curious. Who was your favorite interview or what was your favorite? Two things. One was who's your favorite radio row interview that we did very quickly, because I just want to mention that all of our interviews, even if they weren't in the show, well, because we, we were only on for one hour, we were on from nine to 10 AM local time, but there'd be a lot of times where like Saquon Barkley or Trey McBride, you know, that people guys would come by that wasn't in the window. And so all of our interviews are available on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel, even if they weren't actually in the nine to 10 window. Cause we, we interviewed way more people than we had time for, which is great. So please go check all that out. I'm curious, Connor and Jay, who was your favorite interview? And then also what was your favorite uh, Super Bowl memory? For me, it was Roma Dunze because as somebody that studies the draft all year, when you get to sit and talk to a guy that's projected to be at minimum, a top 10 pick, he really might go in the top five right now. And then everything that you loved about the player, you confirmed by talking to them. That's really, really awesome. So great talking to him. Best Super Bowl memory had nothing to do with football. It was going to the sphere to see you yeah. too. I mean, there's just no way around it. The experience at the sphere, we all got to hang out. Uh, it was unlike any show I've ever seen. Yeah, no, sphere, sphere was definitely the highlight. In terms of interviews, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Baker Mayfield because we uh, had a bit of a mishap with the timing or rather I had a mishap <laughs> with the timing where I left the set and then uh, Baker had to kind of wait for me for like five minutes. And if I were Baker Mayfield and I had to wait for Jay Croucher for five minutes, I wouldn't have been super happy, but he was lovely. Uh, he was very accommodating. I think we had a good chat as well. He was pretty, uh, you know, open about his time in Tampa and, you know, what he'd gone through the 12 months with being on four teams in 12 months. So Baker was awesome. And then the other thing too is, which wasn't captured in the interview, but Puka Nakua, um, after we uh, stopped rolling, 
And then Puka Nakua, who's the most kind of high energy, lovable dude, he turns to us after the interview and he's like, guys, have you been to the sphere yet? Look sick. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, all right, this guy's awesome. He's um, great. So A plus for Puka. But uh, those are the highlights. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Uh, I would agree with you. Uh, Puka, Puka was awesome. I agree with uh, Rome. Like really an impressive young man there, Connor. I would have said my favorite interview. You know, Saquon's always great as well, but I would have said Baker Mayfield as well, Jay. I thought, you know, he was just so... So candid, so likable, um, uh, really, you know, insightful. But because you said Baker, I'll just say this. I say to me the biggest surprise, and generally speaking, you, you meet a lot of these guys and kind of know, but like I knew nothing about Kendrick Bourne, hmm. um, you know, when he sat down other than, you know, I've seen the stats and everything like that, but I've never talked to him. I've never even seen him interviewed. Like you're just sort of like, I don't know what we're getting with Kendrick Bourne. And he was awesome. I thought he was, I thought he was great. Um, so, uh, that was really cool. Just really high energy, articulate, fun, like smart. Like, I think my favorite answer of any question that we asked was Kendrick Bourne when we asked him specifically about what he learned from Bill Belichick. And he gave like a real world example. He, he talked about a specific drill that he had, that Belichick had had him run. And then talked about a real world example, which ended up springing him for a, a game winning touchdown later, like, and him going through the X's and O's of that. Like, I thought that was really cool. It was cool to talk to the legends. T.O. To was great. Emmett Smith was great. Breeze was great. Like, it was cool to talk to some of the legends of the game as well. I thought Matt Ryan was really good. Yep. Um, yeah, but, Matt Ryan was uh, but, you know, like, yeah, for me, I would say uh, Baker and Kendrick Bourne. My, uh, my, you know, I agree. The Spear hanging out with all you guys and and all the uh, all of our producers and, you know, the guys that make us look better than we deserve to. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a – we had a great night that night. I'll give you one um, sort of just funny anecdote, though. So I, you know, as uh, as you guys know, my wife ended up coming in Thursday night for the game, and you know, we stayed through the weekend and we went to some parties. And so on Saturday night, uh, DraftKings hosted a party that I was that my wife and I were invited to at Delilah in Las Vegas, which is awesome, by the way. If you ever get a chance to see, go to Delilah in New York, in LA, or or Las Vegas, Delilah is just amazing. But anyway, so we're at Delilah, and. Uh, 
you know, there's all these different. I mean, the 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 party got ridiculous. Like the Kardashians were there, Justin Bieber was there. Like it just it, Tiffany Haddish, Nick Lachey, Vanessa Lachey. I met both of them. They're not, they're nice, but whatever. So my, it was just sort of this rant. LeBron showed up. Like it was, it was like a crazy, crazy party. How do you not start with LeBron, by the way? Hang on, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, well, because like Kent, the Kardashians and like Kendall Jenner, they were like, not that I get anywhere near them. They were in a separate, you know, non Matthew Berry section. Uh, but, um, uh, but they were, you know, but like it was, and same with, you know, Bieber's in a corner. Sean Payton was there. Russell Wilson was there. Uh, Dave Portnoy was there. Like it was a bunch of, you know, um, uh, people and uh, and so some I met, some I didn't, but whatever. Um, and LeBron rolled in late because he was at an, uh, at another party. So LeBron and Draymond Green and Rich Paul all sort of rolled in late. A big a big crew of them. But here's the thing. So there was one person that I met, um, and I was super excited to meet him. And so I went over to meet him. I'm like, hey, I'm a fan. You know, so great. He's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, nice to meet you. And I said, hey, I want you to meet my wife. This is my wife, Beth. And so Beth turns to him and she says, oh, it's so nice to meet you. What's your name? And he goes, Flavor Flav. Because <laughs> it's Flavor Flav. And like, I don't think Flavor Flav has ever been asked his name in his entire life. Because it's like, you know, he's got the chains and the glasses. Like, it's Flavor Flav. Like the most, one of the most recognizable guys, you know, like. Flavor Flav, when he goes out, it's not like he's like in a you know a hat and like dark glasses trying he's to hide. character. No, he's all in. He yep. is freaking Flavor Flav, and he's got the big glasses. He's got the watcher. I mean, like it's like it is full on Flavor Flav, and I'm just like he takes. He could not have been a sweeter, by the way. He could not have been sweeter, but like I can't. I bet he's never been asked that in his life. What's I'm, your name? And I'm like, so there's a moment. And he pauses and just he, he holds out his hand and smiles and says, I'm Flavor Flav. Yeah, I mean, just it was <laughs> I'm just like, picturing Beth, Beth standing there expecting him to say that his name is like Brenton or Josh. Yeah, or something. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm Clarence. Like yeah. it's <laughs> incredible. Anyway, so, you guys took a great picture. Oh, then and, and I said, Can we Flav, can we get a picture? And he couldn't have been more gracious. And so we did that. And uh Anyway, but that was like a, just an just an amazing, like you know, I love my wife moment. But you know, honey, honey, what are we doing? Perfect, oh, perfect. All right, guys. Well, that's it for us. Thank you to everybody that's been rocking with us the entire season. We're not disappearing for the off season. Like I said, all three of us are going to be at the NFL Combine. I'm sure we're going to have awesome interviews. But to hold you over, I think we have 23 interviews from Super Bowl week that you can go watch on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel, even the ones that aren't in our full episodes that are just standalones, Drew Brees, Austin Eckler. There are so many to go through over there. So for Trey McBride, Trey Dalton McBride, Kincaid, yes, you know, Jalen Hyatt, uh, yep. who had some interesting notes about his usage next year. There's a lot of fantasy stuff in there, a lot of football stuff, a lot of great stuff all around. All right. And also, and there, we're also going to release a bonus episode of Fantasy Football Happy Hour this year that will piece together some of the best right. of the interviews that you have not heard yet as well. So if, you, if you're listening to this, if you're just listening to the podcast, keep the feed on because there'll be another episode. We'll take a short hiatus. And as Connor said, we're going to be out at the NFL Combine interviewing players, coaches, general managers, um, you know, and everyone else. Uh, and potentially, and, we'll, and then we'll get an update on, uh, you know, what new jobs Jay's kids have. <laughs> um, you know, because... We know they're not going to college at this point. Like, have they picked out a trade school yet, Jay, your children? You know, my favorite underrated thing about that whole disaster, and I don't know why I'm still laughing about it. It's not that funny. But Damien Dabrowski, uh, our producer, 
He told me the morning after um, Joe Flacco cost me an ungodly amount of money. But that night at the NFLPA VIP party, which uh, I never made it to uh, because I was 12 old-fashioned deep, uh, drinking away my comeback player of the year sorrows at Momofuku with Connor. Um, he told Damien told me that he searched through all three rooms of the party to try and find Joe Flacco to take a photo with him to mock me. Uh, and then, unfortunately, he could not locate Joe Flacco. Um, but I'm just back on the couch. Damien in that moment, was like, I must find Joe Flacco. Just stick it to Croucher. Uh, it's very good. That's amazing. I wish Damien had told me that because I would have joined in on that mission. I was at that party. It was always it was great. You know, our friends at the NFLPA always take care of us. We were all invited me me damien and lawrence made it but uh sadly you two guys did not but uh yeah i got to you know meet a bunch of players including uh my ride or die i'm on ross st brown which was uh which was cool got a picture with him and uh and golden tate uh my buddy golden tate so that was uh that was pretty cool i was consoling jay as a good friend <laughs> of the show i think after yeah. the uh the text matthew you understand i do right. i totally do <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for us. For Jay and Matthew, I'm Connor. Next time you see us, we'll be at the NFL Combine in just a couple of weeks. Peace out. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.